Oh man, it's so great to be here. Uh, like I said, my family and I, we were gone and uh, we had a great time. Um, but it's also great to know that you've got people who are filling in who are doing an excellent job, you know, and, and absolutely. And I want to show a lot of, give a lot of credit to Mr. Brad Tullis, who brought forth the message last Sunday. And uh, I've just heard great things, so I'm, I'm super proud of him and what God's doing in his life, because it's not over, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, special visitor with us today. All visitors are special, but our oldest son, Kyle, is home from deployment. All right. I'm extra excited about that. Let me tell you why. Three times this week, Carter has gone duck hunting. Three times this week, I have stayed in bed. Yes. No, no, all kidding aside, all kidding aside, it's, it's, it's uh, so great to have him, him home. And, and in fact, it's a busy week because him and Ashley are getting married on Saturday. All right, so we're super excited about what all God has in store for their futures. And Pastor Thorne is calling me right now. I should answer it and be like, you're disturbing the message. You know, but anyway, let me watch this. Ignore. There we go. How about that? Boom! If I'd have done that about five years ago, I wouldn't be standing here any longer. Anyways, uh, so you, you know what? You know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that Andrew and I have all boys. They're a lot cheaper when it comes to a wedding. All right, can I just say that for a second? Much cheaper. And I was already having like a coronary here going, oh my gosh, look what I've got. And then I was, at, we were, you know, away on vacation and my wife and I, we had a date night while we were out. We let some strangers watch the kids. It was great. And uh, so we're sitting there and we're, at, you know, at our table and I look across and I see this guy who, who is, he's married and he's bringing his family into the restaurant and it's like five little girls. And I went, yeah, you're hit, dude. <laughs> you are straight up hit. So anyway, thank God for boys. Um, you know, all kidding aside, here we are. We're going into week three of prayers and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. We just come off our 21 day of fasting and prayer, and I hope that you guys have, who have participated really gained some things from it. And believe me, let me, let me tell you this, God's not done. All right, God is still working, and he's gonna still be working and flowing through all of that in your life, I promise you that. But, you know, we're, we're looking at prayers, and, and I, this is not in your notes this morning because it, it, it's something that came to me and as, as I was really just refreshing myself, but I want to say this, and I mean this with all sincerity here, but I don't want you in your personal life to allow the culture that we live in to create a delusion that if you're at least doing something, that that something is good enough. Okay, let, let me, let me what, what do I mean by that? Well, we have spiritual disciplines within our lives, the spiritual disciplines that I really hone on in as a pastor for you as a church is one, reading, the, reading God's word. It's extremely, of, of extreme importance of a daily devotional time. I always say this, if you're in a reading plan, stay in it. If you're not in one, get in one right away. And if you've been in one and you feel guilty because you dropped the ball, pick the ball back up because God's still gonna move and work in your life, amen? 
But we, we, look at, we look at these spiritual disciplines, and one's reading God's word, and then we just came through one of, of the, the fasting. That's a spiritual discipline that God gives us through his scriptures. Something that we can do. And it's not just designated when pastor says, hey, we're going to do a 21-day fast. That's even in your own personal life. You're going through struggles with your family and struggles at work and struggles within relationships, and you feel God maybe nudging you, the Holy Spirit nudging you, saying, hey, you know what? Give something up for two, three days, a week, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to go after that because I've been there personally, and I've seen God do great things. But what, and, and then we have another spiritual discipline, one that we're talking about, and that's simply prayer. And, and you guys know my heart on this because I, I, I share it with you, but I really think it's the discipline that we drop the ball on and the most. Now, some of you would say, well, we pray, we pray before we go to bed, we pray when we, you know, before our meals, giving thanks, blessing, all that. That's great, wonderful, keep doing that. But that's also routine. That's also those habitual prayers where they don't change. You know, we'll ask our boys to bless our meal and they say, they, they say the same prayer. That's teaching them to pray, but at the same time, are we really pouring out our heart? Are we really pouring out? Or are we just going through the motion? Sometimes we treat prayer like we're just going through the motion. And, and so one of the things that we do within life is this, and especially in the culture, in the society, the world that we're living in now, the viewpoint is this. If you do just enough, and you'll be fine. Can I help you out? I don't want my spiritual walk just to be enough. I don't want just enough of God. I want all of God. I, want all of, I don't want just a little bit of God's will for my life. I want all of God's will for my life. I don't want to live just a little bit of purpose. I want to live all of his purpose. All right? And so what I want us to do as we're looking at with this you know, topic on prayers, just because you're just reading the Bible and just because you just came through a period of fasting doesn't mean that's good enough. If I treated my marriage as to say I just want to communicate with my wife enough to be good enough and to get by. We've got major issues. Some of y'all are asleep. Y'all are killing me. God is wanting to pour out so much within your life. And we're looking at prayers. Now, here's a thought. If we are not careful, here's what we will do. We will develop a prayer list and not a prayer life. That's, I don't think that's in your notes. You might want to write that down. If we are not careful, we will develop a prayer list and not a prayer life. Now, the, two, the last two sessions that we had together in the sermon series, we took a look at the outlines of prayers through instruction. Uh, one we saw what in the Old Testament with Moses through the tabernacle. The different processes, the different pieces of furniture, what they represented, and how we can tie them into our own prayer life. And then the next week, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the prayer of Jabez and how we can apply that prayer to our lives and understanding that it is not about necessarily that I get blessing because we want blessing, but the definition really of blessing is God, give me what you've purposed and willed for my life. Are, are you following me there? In other words, it's not my to-do list, it's not my wish list, but it's this. God, pour into my life what it is that you've willed and purpose and plan for my life. In other words, God, I don't want to get in the way of what it is that you want to do. Amen. Which often we do. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to jump from the Old Testament. We're going to jump right into the New Testament and really take a look at the New Testament church. 
We can see all throughout the New Testament that when the church prayed, there were patterns. And these, through these patterns, that can help us learn how we can apply these things to our own prayer life. So let's take a look at our theme verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, And pray in the Spirit on what? All occasions. Let, let's, let's look at that part. On all occasions. That means in everything. We are to be prayerfully minded. We start our day, Lord, help my day. Be the Lord of my day. God, help me with my decision making. Help me to make the right choices. Help me not to get, you know, to, to be led astray. Help me not to be easily entangled in this web of sin. Help me not to be so easily influenced within my culture and society, but God, help me. So this is what praying in all occasions, God understands the battles that go forth in your life, where they come from. They come from within your family, within your kids, your spouse. They happen with your finances. They happen on the job. They happen in church. <laughs> and what, what, what is he saying? Pray on all occasions. He goes on to say, with all kinds of prayers and requests. That tells me something, that there's not just one prayer, but there's all kinds of different ways that we can be communicating with God. With this in mind, be alert. And I love this part because there in the beginning, he's like, this is what you need to do. You need to pray on all occasions, right? You need, there's whole time, types of different prayers. There's whole kinds of different requests. But now he, he points this into a different direction. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Watch this. What? For who? Not you. But for everyone else. We get so selfish within our prayer life, don't we? Lord, I'm going through it. I need you to help me right now. Lord, my kids are acting up. You either bless them or you better bless me so I can bless them. And I don't mean pour down your purpose and will. <laughs> we get so caught up in, 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 in ourself within our own prayer life when God is really instructing us and saying, look, this is what you need to do, but you also need to do this. You need to pray for other people. All right. Now, we need this because we need to see how to pray according to our situations, and we need to learn every kind of different prayer as what the Scripture is talking about. What's interesting is this, that out of all the things the disciples witnessed Jesus do, they, they witnessed healings, they witnessed what, miracles, feedings of, of, of thousands, you know. Uh, they, they, they witnessed, they sat underneath the different sermons, the different teachings, but the one thing that they went to Jesus and they said this. They said, and we see it in the book of Luke, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Uh, they seen Jesus pray over every situation in his teachings. And, 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 and what is fascinating is that when Jesus would pray, something always happened. Every time Jesus prayed, something always took place and always happened. Happen. So obviously this is being spoken to us because God sees the need for direction and prayer in your life and in my life. So let's unpack for a moment James chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, confess your trespasses to one another. I see that as a life group right there, you know. Here's my spin on life groups, all right. 
See that as a life group moment. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. There's another moment here where we're seeing the importance of not just praying and being selfish, but being selfless in the sense of God saying, you need to pray for other people. That you may be healed. Uh-oh. I love that. Woo! I love that. We're caught up in our prayer. God, pour into me. God, do this in my life. And God's saying, that's great. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Start praying for other people because while you're praying for others, I'm going to do a work in you. And he goes on to say the effective, fervent. Everybody say effective. Everybody say fervent. Then it goes on to say prayer of a righteous man does something. What does it do? It avails much. What I want you to see here is that you can pray an effective prayer and a fervent prayer. And when you do it, it's going to accomplish. It's going, something's going to be ha- happen. Like, like here, I want to be effective. I think we all want to be effective. We need this within our lives. Effectiveness means this, to work, to have an attended purpose and to have a strong energy. Listen, right? There are areas in your life that you want to be effective. Like, I want my truck to be effective. When I turn that key, the thing better start. Am I right? I want my refrigerator to be effective. Because if not, all the milk is going to spoil. And that's not going to be... Let me tell you a story. The other day, my wife and I, we went to Salisbury. And we were at the mall. And we were in this store, and, and I said to her, I said, you know, Andrea, I said, I, I want to stop by GNC because I, I, I want to stop in it because I need, I need, I need a, I like, my energy's low, you know, I'm working out, I'm not seeing nothing happening here, I'm getting tired of it, I'm about to quit, you know what I mean? And she looks at me, and she's so quiet and, you know, very soft-spoken, you know, and she goes, well, you're over 40, you know things are going to be different. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? And, 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 you know, I'm thinking, well, there's not that many people in here, but there was some. And, and I'm like, maybe nobody heard that because you kind of embarrassed me now. And this lady turns around and busts up laughing. I'm like, all right, cool. So, so we, we walk out of the store and we, we, we go to a couple other places and, and we're getting ready, you know, we're walking toward uh, that end of the mall where GNC is and that's where I, I parked. And going through the food court, obviously, you know, that's the best place. And uh, so, so, you know, I'm making my way to, to forget GNC. Don't embarrass me. I'm not going there now. Now I'm heading to the truck. And she goes, wait a minute. Didn't you want to go to, I said, no, you don't embarrass me now, you know. And she's like, no, you just go. I said, fine. So I go on in and I go in the GNC and this guy comes, he's in his mid-20s, right? He, he's like, you know epitome of everything that you envy over, right? And, and he's like, how can I help you, sir? I said, I'm 42 years old. I have no energy and, you know, help me out. And he's like, I got the perfect thing. So he takes me over. This is step one. I didn't know this was a step process. Let me, let me, let me mix some protein, drink it, and let's go on. And then here's step two and here's step three, sir. And I'm like, holy cow. So anyway, so we go to leave, and she goes, you know, you don't have to tell everybody your age. You just did. 
Anyway, I say that because the guy said, you need to mix this stuff with milk. And it comes to my mind that we don't, I don't need the refrigerator to not work because then, I, then my GNC purchase goes to waste. <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> I don't know what was said. I got an idea. We're going to leave that alone. But we want things to be effective, right? We want things in life to work like they're supposed to. My home life, I want it to work the way it's supposed to. James says that there's an effective and fervent prayer that you and I can pray that will, what, accomplish much. It will bring accomplishment within our lives. Like, my family needs this. My life needs this. My job needs this. Those, watch this, even as the scripture says, what those I'm close to need this. And how do they get that through your prayers? When we look in the Bible, we see that this takes place in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. We're doing a study on our Wednesday night Bible study in the book of Acts. It's probably going to take us a year, you know. And I told him if I get bored of it, I'll drop it, pick it up later again some other time, you know, but I'm loving it. So, but um, the, the book of Acts, we see purpose in the early church in their prayers. And we see prayers availing. We see prayers accomplishing much. We see life change and we see even more the presence of God. Let me, I'm just going to ask this. Who in the world needs more of the presence of God in your life? Yeah. Amen. All right. We see windows of moments that actually become a mirror that teach you and I through scripture how we can pray. So let's take a look in, in Acts chapter 12. What I want us to see this is because it can remind us the way at times that we approach prayer. Let's face it. Sometimes we pray and we struggle with belief. Like, will, we're will what I pray actually happen? Sometimes we are okay if God only answers a little bit of our prayer. We think sometimes that there's no way that God will over answer our prayer. We'll say things like this, well, not me. Not in my current situation. Not my spiritual pedigree, right? Not my reputation, I have lack, I have lack of belief. And the passage that we're gonna get into is a good example of how when we can have doubts in our life and even in our prayers, that it does not disqualify from God's movement. Can I help you? I wanna repeat that again. Because this really can hinder, especially a new believer, but even an experienced believer like myself, there's moments when I can pray prayer and walk away from that and go, is God really going to do that? That's like a very impossibility for God to, God can do anything, anytime he wants, whenever he wants, regardless of what you think. So let's look at the scripture, Acts chapter 12, starting with verse 1, lots of scripture here to read, just follow with me. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. What do we have here? We have the persecution of the church taking place, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with, was met with approval among the Jews, he pr proceeded to seize Peter also. Now, Peter was a, a great leader within the New Testament church. He was thinking that if he could eliminate Peter, then he could shut this whole entire movement down that, you know, church and Christianity would not even get off the ground. Moving on. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, 
He put him in prison, speaking of Peter, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So we've got like 16 soldiers guarding Peter. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after, which was the Passover. This is the same thing that happened and that they did with Jesus. Moving on. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly. What's that meaning? They were intense, right? They had purpose. They were in a season of prayer. They were being serious about this. So the church was what? Earnestly praying to God for him. So they had an agenda within their prayer. Like this is our, we're doing what the scripture, they're doing what the scriptures that we just read said we should do. And that is simply pray for one another. So they're doing it what earnestly, it didn't just say they're praying to God for him, but some emotion is brought into this moment. There's importance here. Now, it goes on to say, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. That had to be the most uncomfortable moment, you know what I mean? And sentries stood guard at the entrance. So again, he's heavily guarded in this moment. Suddenly, don't you love it when like the Bible says something suddenly? I love suddenly moments with God. Because suddenly moments with God always bring some type of change. Suddenly moments, you know, in the book of Acts and the day of Pentecost, suddenly tongues of fire came on him. Suddenly a wind blew in. I love suddenly moments. We see here, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. In other words, what? Peter must have been in a really deep sleep in that moment. Because he's waking him up. He's saying, what? Quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Stay there for a second. Suddenly, what? God, the angel of the Lord comes in and the chains fell off. I love it. Break every chain, Lord. Break every chain in my life. Everything that's trying to tie me and keep me away from what your purpose, plan, and will is, Lord, break the chains off of me. This is the prayer that the early church was praying over Peter's life. Now, next verse. Then the angel said to him, Put your clothes and your sandals, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but watch this. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So actually what is happening is that Peter is having even a moment of doubt within his own life. Because I promise you this. Not only was the early church praying for Peter, but Peter was praying for his own release. Like any of us would be in that same moment. And while it's taking place, he's having a hard time understanding and comprehending that God's moving in his life. He's not seeing God move. He thinks maybe he's dreaming. (laughs) Last night, we were, uh, we we were, the boys were, were playing video games and stuff, and Andrea and I, we were sitting on the couch, we were watching some TV, and, and uh, you know, like 9.30 came around and I got sleepy. Anybody old like me? 
Amen. Amen. 9.30 come around. I'm like, checking out, man. And, and, and so I was just like, well, I'm just going to close my eyes for a second, you know. And so I laid down. And, and, and while I was laying there, I was like, I, apparently I fell asleep because I heard somebody snoring. Have you ever done that? <laughs> while you're sleeping, you hear somebody snoring, you wake up, and she's like, well, that was, must have been a nice sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> apparently that was me. I wasn't seeing a vision. It was a reality. So this is happening right here with Peter, right? He, it goes on to say they passed. Uh, he, he, he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself. Understanding that this is when, when we pray for things, they just don't happen. But God allows his hand to move within our lives. And it says they went through it. When they walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. Now, isn't it like that for us? Like we don't see the hand of God moving in our situation and our storm. But afterwards, when it's all said and done and we look back, then we see God's hand moving. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me in life. It's great to know that even the leaders of the early church go through the same things that we go through. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's, Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Now watch this. All of this because of an effective and fervent prayer. All this is happening because people were having what? An effective and fervent prayer. An effective and fervent prayer resulted in something availing much. An effective and fervent prayer accomplished something. Here we go. Moving on. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Here we go. The early church. What are they doing? They're gathered together. They're doing something very important. They're spending time in prayer. What are they praying about? They're not praying over their own needs. They're doing what scripture told us to do a little bit, a little bit ago in this ser sermon. Praying for what? Someone else. Praying for someone else. All right, here we go. Um, they were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda, which, understand this, she was a servant girl. She was of a child's age, came to answer the door. Now, some of you who, who on Wednesday nights, we, we spoke on this uh, several months ago, and, and I honed in on it quite a bit, so you're going to hear a little bit more on that. But when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed she ran back without opening it. That's a kid for you, right? Woo! Forgetting the obvious right in front of you. She's overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Now here's the adults. You are out of your mind, they told her. Aren't they praying about this? Follow me. Aren't they the leaders and aren't they the ones praying for this to happen? And when it's happening, they don't even believe it. All right, here we go. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, watch this. Well, it must be an angel. In other words, he must be dead. But Peter kept on knocking <laughs> Would somebody please let me in? 
And when they opened the door and saw him, then they were what? Astonished. What does that tell me? It tells me some, a couple of things. One is this. It tells me that even in my disbelief, God still hears my prayers and he still moves. It tells me that if God has a promise, he has a purpose and he has a will, contrary to, to many teachings, even if you're not in belief of it, it's still going to happen because he said it would happen. Some of you, you've been praying over some stuff to happen and you're acting like the leaders of this early church going, I'm praying over it. But when it takes place, you're probably not even going to see that it's happening. Or you're not even believing your own prayer. I want to I want to encourage you today. Don't stop praying. Don't give up on it. Now. We have some things. OK, oh, yeah, let's go on. Goes on to say, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He goes on to say, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. And in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Now, our thoughts should surround this. Watch this. Lord, I want to learn how to pray effectively and fervently so that it will bring freedom into the people's lives around me. Teach us, Lord, to pray prayers that will what? Break every chain and rescue broken people. Prayers that, that can be a catalyst for release in someone's life. Do you know why you're here today? Because somebody's been praying for you. Someone has been praying for you and you're here. Your salvation didn't just happen. Somebody was praying over you. Do you know why you're here? The effective and fervent prayers of Christ's followers. There's, there, there's some people here today who, who are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm assuming. Do you know why you're here today? Because people have been praying. You're not here by accident, but God is moving and wanting to move stronger within your life. Now, let's look at a couple of ingredients here that we need for prayer to be effective, to be fervent. Number one, we need pressure, prompting, or pain. We need a, effective prayers happen where there is what? Pressure, prompting, and pain. That, that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through pain. You don't want to go through the pressures. You don't want to go through that. Psalm 18 and 6, the psalmist writes, in my distress, I called to the Lord. In other words, in the middle of my pain and my stress, I, I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. In other words, what? God hears the cries of his people. When you have, you and I have pressure in our lives, and, and as the psalmist did, what did it do? It led him to prayer. Pressure can cause us to go to prayer. Pain will cause us to go to prayer. Could it be that the chaos that you are experiencing right now in your life be the catalyst that will cause you to call on God, to depend on God, and to look to God? If so, then thank God for your chaos. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I just wanted to jump out of my skin right then. 
It's amazing to me that some of the most difficult roads that we have traveled in life are paving the way for us to go into prayer, which have resulted in some of the most amazing destinations. I tell people all the time within my own personal testimony and walk with the Lord that there was a season in my life that I'm not proud of it, but I wouldn't take it back because that pain has led me to where I am today. That chaos has led me to where I am today. Number two, we need passion. I'm going to breeze through this one, so get ready. Hebrews chapter 5, 7 through 9 says this. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with what? Fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. God, help me to pray passionately. Passionately. You know, our, um, our vision statements here consist of three main words. Learning, passion, and excellence. Here at this church, we strive to, to give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the learning, all that we can when it comes to Scripture. Oftentimes, we put the passion before the learning. That's why I, I truly believe that so many relationships uh, spiritually really, really go through some of the toughest times and struggles because they're not, allowed, they're not educating themselves within the Scripture first. And so we need to, passion, when we're educating ourselves and allowing the Scriptures to be a part of our everyday life and taking it in and soaking it in, then we can truly live out that emotional side passionately when it comes to God, which will help us, you and I, to be able to live in excellence. That's not being perfect. Don't, don't, don't confuse that. But that's presenting the best that you have in every situation. And what is the best that you have in every situation? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. Number three. We need to be persistent. Lord, help me not to give up. When I don't see the answer that I want, even when others around me are not changing. Have you ever prayed for someone or over something that it just seemed to get worse? Right? Kids are still acting up. Spouse is still not seeing things my way. Andrea. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We need to stay persistent. You know, one of the things I love and, and, and I, I try to look at with Jesus is this. There's moments that is recorded in Scripture where Jesus in, is in time of prayer. But those are just a, really a few moments. Could you imagine what his prayer life must have been like? Could you imagine sitting on? That's why the, uh, the disciples went and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, we're around you all the time and we hear. We're in earshot of your prayers for most of them. Teach us to pray like you. Uh, Jonah. We're going to look here in a minute, Jonah chapter 2 for a moment, but story of Jonah, some background information, receives instructions to, to, to go to Nineveh and, and revival would break out there, but Jonah wasn't, wasn't doing that. Goes on to say that he ran, running away from the call of God, and gets on a boat, paraphrasing here, storms come. The guys on the boat realize that He's the reason that they're about to sink because he's running from God. And 
So they throw Jonah overboard and God sends a big fish to what swallow up Jonah for three days. He was in this fish where he was being preserved because God had new change was going to happen and that Jonah would eventually end up obeying God. Some of you have been in the belly of a fish for a very long time. Can I help you with that? Some of you have been in running from God for a very, very long time. You say, I'm not running from God. I'm, I'm serving God. You're, you might be running from his plan. You may be running from his will, his purpose, what he's been telling you to do. Jo Jonah, the Bible tells us from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Even in the middle of pain, in the middle of disobedience, even in the middle of the things not going right in his life and in our lives, let me help you out. We must keep praying. Do not stop. Praying through the situation, regardless of your outward circumstances, regardless that everything around you might seem like your prayers are wasted, you're wasted time. You're not. Stay persistent. Here we go, number four. In partnership with others. How important is it that we agree together in prayer, right? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. It says this, Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I kind of revert back to week two here about the prayer of Jabez and praying for blessing within our lives. What does that prayer look like? God, what is it that you intended, willed, purpose, and planned for me? I don't want to get in the way of your timeline. I don't want to get in the way of what you want. So God, pour it down not only in my life, but I'm coming in agreement with everyone that is within my circle of influence, my loved ones, my friendships, God, my, my coworkers. God, we're praying together. I'm praying for them. Staying persistent in them. Surrounding yourself with people who will pray God's word over your life will help you find freedom. I love it. Can I, I'm going to be honest. I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, I've been praying for you. Thank God. Because there's times where I'm going through it and I don't feel like praying. And I need somebody to lift it up. Do you see how important it is to pray for one another? You know what I'm talking about because you've been there in, even in your own life. Another great plug in there for life groups. And then here's the main ingredient as I'm closing out. Focus on the person of Jesus Christ. So last night, getting back to my snoring story. Snoring story, that's, that's awesome. We got up, we put the boys to bed, and I thought to myself, man, I am so tired. When I lay down, it's going to be over. <laughs> so we get the boys down, which takes like 45 minutes, oh my gosh. And I go to lay down, and sure enough, in my eyes just go, boop. And check this out. The entire time, all I could think about is this message today. All I could think about was the people who are going to be here and the people who need to hear this message. And we're talking about prayer. And we need more prayer. And we're looking at examples of prayer and ingredients, obviously, you know, being persistent and and partnership with others and all this stuff, being passionate within our prayer. And all that is fantastic. And all that is great. And we need that.
But even more importantly, we need Jesus Christ. There is no other name. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. We pray to the name of Jesus Christ. There is authority in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that every demon must flee at the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Well, here's what I'm asking. We're praying in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, whatever family members you're having struggles with right now, God, touch them. In the name of Jesus, you're, you're praying for your lost loved ones. In the name of Jesus, no more will the devil have his stronghold over those relationships. In the name of Jesus, Father, you're gonna give us discipline to release the oppression spirit over financial problems. That's not a prosperity gospel. That is a leading of God's Holy Spirit in every aspect. In the name of Jesus, if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would make that commitment. In the name of Jesus, that there's Christ followers who are in here and you've been struggling with your walk. In the name of Jesus, let there be peace and calmness. Enter into that life, into that spirit. In the name of Jesus. There's no other name. There's no rival. There's no equal to the name of Jesus. When I'm sick, the name of Jesus, it becomes healing. When I'm in sin, the name of Jesus becomes forgiveness. When I'm in a dark place, the name of Jesus becomes light. When I feel trapped, the name of Jesus becomes freedom. Stay with me this morning. There is no other name. Let me help you out. There is no other name. There is no other name. There is no other name like the name of Jesus Christ. 